Uh, I was coming home from the Home Depot the other day, and I thought I'd take the back road that takes me down Shenandoah into Salt Creek. And halfway home, right before I get to that very intersection, uh, I came to a roadblock. Um, I actually knew it was there like the week before, but then I came back and hit it again. Uh, and apparently they were working on the bridge and had completely, not just partially, you know, sometimes roadblocks are like, hey, some traffic. This was no traffic goes across the bridge. Um, and I got to say, in hindsight, it feels a little silly. But in the moment, I was like really annoyed, like really frustrated at the roadblock that I was unable to go through. So uh, I know I'm probably the least mature watching right now, and nobody can sympathize with my frustrations and the fact of being annoyed when you get to the roadblock, uh, but bear with me and let's discuss for a second why are detours, because when you get to the roadblock, it's got a cute little sign that says detour this way. Why are detours so annoying? Why are detours so annoying? Go with me this morning. And if you need to just put yourself in mind, why was Josh so annoyed? Because I don't get annoyed at silly things. Why? Uh, not where I wanted to go. Okay, what else? Slows me down. Slows me down, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go with just the fact that they're inconvenient. Like I'm still going to get where I'm going to get. A detour doesn't mean you don't arrive. A detour just means it's a little bit inconvenient uh, to slow down and go around. I'm also going to say this, and this is what I think hit me in that moment just a little bit unnatural. Uh, have you ever, maybe again, this is just me, you drive somewhere, and then when you get there, you're like, I don't remember, like, actually the last three minutes of my drive. Um, why? It's because you, you have this autopilot that sometimes just kind of kicks in to where we're almost unconsciously following this normal path in our life. Um, and when you hit that roadblock and it wants to give you a detour, uh, it, it just it's unnatural because that autopilot, um, the daily rhythm the, and patterns that you have set, it disrupts them. Okay? So in my case, uh, I had this thought. It was brilliant. Just that one brief moment where I considered actually busting through the roadblock. I'm like, stupid little divider. Like, it's not going to hold me back. All I got to do is bust through it. Uh, I can go through the barricades and avoid all of my frustration, right? I had that thought for a moment. But the vision of my truck and my trailer uh, nosediving <clears throat> into the creek that was down here, the destruction, the vision of that destruction, uh, destruction brought me back to my better senses 
and I took the detour. And here I am today to tell you about it, right? So, uh, in Luke 19, as Jesus visits Jerusalem for the last time, okay, he'd come and gone uh, all throughout the book of Luke 19. Here we are, he's approaching the city for the last time in his life. That's what we find in Luke 19. During this festival, there's thousands of people. The city's full. Here Jesus comes, and he is presented, in a way, as a detour. Jesus is presented in this text as a detour that some people choose to bust through, and others choose to slow down and to receive the detour that Jesus presents himself as. So that's going to make sense here in a minute. Look with me in Luke 19. We're going to start actually towards the end of the chapter. Verse 41. As Jesus approached and saw the city, he wept for it, saying, If you knew this day what would bring peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children among you to the ground. They will not leave one stone on another in your midst because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. He went into the temple, began to throw out those who were selling And he said, it's written that my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Every day he was teaching in the temple. And the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people were looking for a way to kill him. But they would not find a way to do it because all the people were captivated by what they heard. Let me pray and we will consider how Jesus presents himself as a detour in this text. Father, uh, we give you ourselves asking you to speak to us through your son Jesus this morning. Holy Spirit, uh, we, we, we ask you to be active in this time to accomplish what you want in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus sees the city. He's approaching the city, and we get this little view of him in verse 41. As he approached the city, he saw it and he began to weep. Like as he approached the city for the final time, this is uh, one of the, uh, this is kind of the beginning of the end for Jesus' life here. And as he approaches the city, we, we catch this glimpse of him being able to see it off in the distance. And as he approaches it, he begins to think about the people within the city and it begins to make him weep. That's because he, he sees the city as if the people are on a path And he is providing this detour. He's providing this detour leading at the end of the road. This detour, he knows, leads to peace. And he knows that the current path that the people are on leads to destruction. And in positions, wanted to hear Jesus. 
Those in high positions wanted to kill Jesus and those without any position wanted to slow down and they were captivated. They wanted to hear Jesus. The difference between two groups was that one group was trying to preserve what they had, hanging on to their positions, while the other was not. They weren't trying to preserve anything. Preservation is the attempt to keep something alive, uh, intact, or free from harm. I want to preserve it, to, to keep it flourishing, to keep it intact so that it doesn't get disrupted or destroyed. Um, in, in, the, in the manner that those with high positions were trying to preserve their positions, that's why they wanted to kill Jesus. What do we try to hang on to? If they tried to hang on to their position, what types of things do we want to hang on to and preserve? Now, I'm not talking about the meat in your freezer, uh, but we have things in life that we try to buffer, insulate, so that they they don't get disrupted, um, so that we can preserve uh, the status quo, What types of things do we hang on to and preserve? I'll give you the first one that came to my mind, and that's our plans. We really want to preserve our plans. We try to hang on to them, and when things in life come and go and they want to disrupt our plans, a lot of times uh, we put forth a big effort to hang on to our predetermined plans. Does anything else come to mind? In their positions, these men wanted to preserve their power, their influence. Positions aren't just positions. Positions represent power. And these men wanted to preserve their power. And I think we, too, can identify instances where that's a real-life situation for us. And I'm going to write theirs as well. Positions. Maybe it's positions in a job, positions in our city, positions in this and that, positions in our home. Um, The new guy comes to work, and he shows to be uh, skilled and talented and... Uh, You don't necessarily go celebrate him. You want to preserve your position, take care of yourself, hang on to what you had before that guy got there. Um, Last one I had in mind was people. Maybe that's relationships. We want to hang on to people, preserve relationships, right? So here's the second question to that. If we try to hang on to these things, and this is kind of the, the behind the scenes. Why do we try to hang on? What is our motivation for preserving our plans, our current power positions, or people relationships? Why do we want to hang on to or preserve these things? That's where we think our peace is found, is in the preservation of those things. Okay? Anything else comes to mind? 
why we try to hang on to these things. <clears throat> mine, first thing that came to mind was convenience. Convenience. It is easier to keep the status quo than it is to start over. Security. And I think security is found in the fact that most of us uh, don't necessarily like change. So we feel secure when things are consistent and we want to preserve that consistency, therefore perceiving to preserve our security. Um, I had comfort on my list. We try to preserve these things in order to preserve our comfort. Um, Maybe fear came to mind. Why do we want to preserve our current power structure? Because we're afraid of what happens if somebody else is in power. Why do we preserve our position that we currently have? Because we're fearful of what happens if we lose that position. And the last one that I had was, I'm going to say value. The value in these things but it's not really the actual value, it's the perceived value. Okay, So this is the things in life that we attempt to hang on to. This is the motiv motivation that we have for hanging on to or preserving those things. And Jesus said concerning the city, as he viewed the city and considered the people of the city, he said this, if you only knew this day what would actually bring you peace. Like he looks at the city as he approaches and he says, man, if, if you only actually knew what would bring you peace this day. But, but he says as a follow-up, but for now, it's actually hidden from your eyes. Like if you only knew the path that would bring you peace, I long for you to know that, but for now, it's hidden from your eyes. It's hidden. Those in his day, and even us today, what Jesus is, is indicating here, we suffer from this short-sightedness. We suffer from short-sightedness. Um, we, we come to a, a, a barricade, a detour, and we want to blow through it when uh, detours in life try to slow us down or they feel unnatural. Uh, because in our short-sightedness, when something in life wants to slow us down, uh, we cannot see the destruction that lies on the other side of it. Okay? Okay. Uh, we blow through detours in life when they slow us down, when they feel unnatural, because we cannot see uh, a destruction that lies on the other side of it, and we can't see that the slowdown may actually be God offering us a path of peace in another direction. We're short-sighted, and we can't see the destruction, and we can't see that it actually could be God leading us in a path of peace. All we do is we feel the inconvenience. 
we feel that it's slowing life down. We've, we think to ourselves, this is, I don't want to go another direction. Uh, it's inconvenient, it's natural, it's slow. And things in life that do that to me, let's just blow through them, continue where we were going. Um, but in short-sightedness, maybe we don't see destruction. Maybe we don't see that God is actually offering us another path that in his complete vision leads to peace. So God visited Jerusalem in the flesh. And he says that the people did not recognize them. Here we go. Follow me with this. God visits Jerusalem in the flesh and they did not recognize him. They only saw him as a barrier to the direction they were going. It's God in the flesh, God visiting with the people, and they perceive him to be a barrier. And those with high positions would crucify him in order to preserve the path that they had already chosen. They're going to blow through the barrier that Jesus presents. Let's crucify him, do away with what he's trying to block, uh, and, and we will crucify him to preserve our positions in our predetermined path. And it says, on the other side of his crucifixion, they will not leave one stone on another in your midst because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. On the other side of the crucifixion, when they blow through Jesus as he attempts to redirect them in a different path, he says, on the other side of that decision lies their destruction. The city will be destroyed. We know from history that that happened and that the temple was torn down and not one stone left on another. That destruction that Jesus prophesied right here came to pass not long after they blew through the life of Jesus and they crucified him. We know through history that this prophecy was fulfilled because they did not recognize the time when God came in the flesh to visit with them. They perceived <laughs> that when Jesus was directing into a new path, he's a barrier. We're going to preserve everything we had in place. We're going to blow through him, crucify him, do away with him. We'll do away with the barrier. We'll be able to maintain and preserve what we already had if we can do away with the presence of God. I want to give you just a brief personal reflection as I considered this text and this concept in my own life. Um, I personally am a little bit of a creature of habit. I'm a creature of habit. I don't, when I look at my life, I don't think to myself, man, I'm, I'm one of those people who wants to preserve positions or power or plans. I feel like over and over and over, those things have been surrendered in my life. But when I do look at my life, I'm a creature of habit. I can't say that I've struggled to give up my plans, yet I do recognize that giving up my habits has been a reoccurring theme. Okay. Um, I don't know what it is about who I am, 
but I regularly, quickly find myself slip into routines, some that are healthy and others that are not. Uh, It doesn't take me long to have an activity become a routine, where that routine becomes a habit, and that's just my norm, okay? Um, Workouts, like that's been a habit. Like I said, some are healthy, others are not. But workouts, ice cream after dinner, like like clockwork. Dinner's over, where's the dessert? My kids have actually picked up our habit, and the only reason they eat dinner is so that they can have cookies, right? I don't think they picked that up on their own. That's an observed habit uh, because I look at my own life and ice cream after dinner, cereal at night, like every night, like clockwork, sitting on the couch watching TV. It's like, ooh, time for my cereal. Why? Because I have the habit of having a bowl of cereal every night. Coffee in the morning, sometimes many cups of coffee in the morning. Uh, and I actually found myself for a while having a glass of wine at night, right? So coffee in the morning, a glass of wine at night, Amazing how quickly an activity becomes a routine and a routine becomes a habit, okay? So I want to say this, that I don't think anything that I just listed off uh, is inherently evil. Yet here's what I've observed within myself, is that when the Holy Spirit slows me down and begins to speak to me, and then Ask me to turn around and take an unexpected path. What I've noticed within myself is that I respond by fighting against the Holy Spirit in order to preserve my habits. Okay? Um, And that becomes a problem. Any habit or activity within my life in and of itself even if they're not evil, when the Holy Spirit slows my life down and invites me on a new path, and I use that pattern, that habit, as an excuse to blow through what the invitation the Holy Spirit's giving me, then that habit becomes a problem. Um, I I can be honest with you, uh, really over the last four to five months, some of my habits have become problems. Not in like addictive or like destructive in and of themselves, but I have found uh, God coming to visit with me, inviting me to take a new path, and I actually have uh, conscious thoughts that, well, if I do that, then I don't get to do this. Like taking that path will actually detract from my habit. Like, I'll miss that glass of wine at night. Like, how's that going to interrupt my coffee? (laughs) It's like, the activity in and of itself, not evil, not a problem, but when God's inviting me on a new path and I choose my habit over His invitation, it's a problem. It's a problem. Because I perceive that God coming to visit me and slow me down is actually the problem now. 
and I'm going to blow through any barriers that he's put in front of me, and the barriers are not the problem. The, the, I perceive that I need to preserve everything that lies on the other side of that. And I'm like, God, you can't slow me down because if you redirect me, then I'm going to miss out on everything that's on the other side of that. When I don't, in my short-sightedness, realize that he is inviting me on a path that leads to peace, and even if my habits are not evil in and of themselves, blowing through the work that God's doing in my life to preserve what I had already predetermined is going to land me in destruction. Why? Because Jesus is inviting me to travel a different path with him. And if I choose, like I said, my own personal reflection leads me to think about the habits that I'm going to choose over any invitation that Jesus gives me. No matter if the habits are destructive in and of themselves, I'm going to find myself in a destructive result when I choose them over the path of peace. So I don't know what it is that you preserve the most. Maybe it's your power, your influence, your position, your finance, your plans, the people in your life. Instead of following Jesus on a new path, he's like slowing you down, trying to grab your attention. He comes to visit with you, speak to you, say, let's stop going this way. I want to detour your life another way. And you're like, but if I go the other way, I'm going to lose that relationship. So I'm going to plow through this barrier that God's given me, and I'm going to choose the relationship over the path of peace that Jesus has given me. The church, the person you're choosing may not be evil in and of themselves, but you're going to find yourself in a destination that is destructive. No matter what we have to let go of, be it our plans, power, positions, or people, when Jesus slows us down and steers us a different in a detour, he's, he's never doing it to simply observe you as he disrupts your life. He has a path of peace. And if you only could see what he's doing, you would always choose it. But in our short-sightedness, we just want to plow through the fact that he's slowing us down. It's inconvenient. It's unnatural, we think. Man, it's so unnatural to try to surrender my plans to follow this unexpected path. Like following Jesus is awkward and unnatural. Yeah, that's okay. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it's a new path for you. And when Jesus invites us in this new path and he slows down our current rhythm of life in order to create a new one, he says, no, 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 buddy, I don't... What you're doing, maybe it is evil. Maybe it is destructive. Maybe it's not. But if you keep going, instead of letting me guide you in this new path. No matter what it is you choose over me, it will end in destruction. But if you allow me to slow you down, allow me to to kick you into a different stride on a different path, it'll be a path of peace. Um, (laughs) But it, it can be 
not where I wanted to go. It can be or feel slower when Jesus comes in, slows you down, steers you a different direction. It can feel unnatural. The path of peace, though, is always in the presence of God. Like God came to visit them in the flesh. They chose to blow through him, preserve what they had, landing in their own destruction because the path of peace is always in the presence of God. And what's funny is we chose this other path because we thought that peace was in our preservation. No, peace is not in preserving what we have. Peace is in the presence of God. Blowing through his barriers to preserve something within myself is so short-sighted and will always end in my destruction. Jesus said, if you knew this day what would bring you peace, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't respond that way. You would instead, you would come to, to the place where Jesus is and he meets you and you would slow down. You wouldn't blow through it. Like when Jesus comes to meet you, you'd slow down. You would be like those who did not have positions to preserve and they're like so attentive to everything that he said. They didn't want to kill him. They were just enamored by listening to him. You would slow down. You would listen to him. And what would you do next? You would turn and take the detour that he's providing you. Like If you could only see some of you watching this morning feel this slowdown, this interruption in your life. Like when you hear the word of God spoken to you, when you open it up and you read it, when you slow down and you actually pray, or maybe you're just trying to plow through life and things just keep coming in front of you. You think they're barriers, but they could actually be the presence of God inviting you into a different direction. Sometimes you you need to quit trying to blow through the barriers that you think are in your way to achieving your goals, and you need to consider that it could be God meeting with you, trying to slow you down, and instead of blowing through the barriers, maybe you need to stop and listen. And when you listen, even though it feels unnatural, If it is indeed the presence of God, you're going to find that blowing through in order to to preserve what you had, you're going to be asked by Jesus to turn and make a detour. You're going to slow down, you're going to listen, and you're going to make that detour. You're going to follow Jesus into a different path, a different direction. Why? Because it's the path of peace if it's in the presence of God. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the path of peace is always in the presence of God. Man, in our short-sightedness, we just think everything we want is on the other side of that barrier. (laughs) Pull up your bootstraps, give it good effort, fight hard. Uh, All the things that we're taught to do that we think are uh, appropriate. And if you're... Uh, a male, maybe you've been taught 
that everything is earned in your effort and you need to um, just push down everything that's in your way. Here, the last thought is this. Some of us are pushing and eliminating the presence of God in our life. We are busting through what he's trying to do in our life so that we can preserve what we have. We're going to find ourselves in the path of destruction when we refuse to slow down, to listen, and to take a different path that he's called us on. path of peace is always in the presence of God. You bumping up against something today? Before you blow through it, maybe you should slow down and listen. Think back to the people in Luke 19. Those who thought they had something to preserve, those in high positions, they crucified the Son of God to preserve their position. Now, they thought that was the end of the story, but the Father raised the Son to life three days later. And some of those that wanted to preserve their high position surrendered everything they have to follow Jesus after that. Now, some of them continued to be short-sighted, but some of them had their eyes opened and they realized that what they had done. Do you realize what we've done? Do you realize what you've done? Uh, I think we're crucifying the Son of God all over again just to preserve whatever it is we think is important. That's a dangerous place to be. Let me pray for you. And these guys are going to lead us in a time of worship as we just steal our hearts, uh, slow down, listen, and ask our Heavenly Father, is there a change, a path that we need to take? Do we need to detour from where we're headed this morning? Father, we thank you for recording and preserving the life of Jesus through the Gospels, through the Scriptures.